Wow, it's good to be with you in worship today. I've sure looked forward to this. I've kind of been out of it for a couple of weeks. I've had some uh, medical challenges and needed to get my blood refreshed and um, doing fine now. Thank you for those of you who knew and were praying for us. Uh, we spent a few days actually down in Owatonna uh, so that uh, we got a little chance to be in our home. And uh, we have a favorite bagel shop that we like to stop in to. And I put on my mask and went down there to order my bagel and walked in and um, uh, husband and wife uh, standing off in the corner and he was wearing a mask so I didn't really recognize him. He was actually a friend of mine, uh, one of the professors from Pillsbury College. And, and um, before I could really figure out who he was, he said, you actually look better in a mask. I'm not sure exactly what he was trying to say, but uh, it was a delightful little tease to uh, be together. Uh, will you take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 34? Psalm 34, and let's pray. We want to hear from you, Lord. We read the words on the page, and uh, they are so sweet when they are driven home to our hearts. So speak to us. Speak, Lord, your children are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't, don't you just love it when you feel like the Lord is speaking to you directly and personally? Don't you just get excited when you pick up your Bible and you read and you know that God is driving something home that he really wants you to hear? That's one of the sweet ways that he actively loves us. So I have a new favorite psalm. Because about three weeks ago, I was doing my typical devotions, like every day reading a passage from the Psalms and then a passage from the New Testament and then one from the Old Testament. And Psalm 34 was there, and it seemed to set the theme for the whole of my devotions that I am loved and favored and blessed by God. And I really needed that that morning. And then that afternoon, in a few free moments at the office, I was listening to worship music on YouTube, and I ran across the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir singing, guess what, Psalm 34. Wow, the same day, the same text. And I tell you, my soul just soared, and I have listened to that recording again and again and again. And then a few days later, uh, an email came from the 6-4 Fellowship, Daniel Henderson's ministry, and it contained a worship-based prayer guide, and it was all around Psalm 34. And I said, Holy Spirit, are you trying to say something to me here? And without words, but yet in my own spirit, the Holy Spirit said, yep, Steve, you need this. And yes, I did. So today and next Sunday, we'll be in Psalm 34. And as you turn there, you will notice the attribution. It says, a psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. Last Sunday, I so appreciated Pastor Brent's message on Psalm 56, another psalm David wrote after the same event. And Brent walked us with David from fear to trust. If you missed that, it's a great message. Check out last Sunday's video. 
And the story comes right out of 1 Samuel 21. David is running from King Saul who wanted to kill him. And David escaped to Gath, a place Saul would never think to look. Why? Gath was a Philistine city, the enemies of Israel. More importantly, Gath was Goliath's hometown. Not a friendly place for the guy who had single-handedly killed the giant, the Philistines' champion. And I don't know if David was intentional about going there or whether he was chased there, but David was in a peck of trouble. And finding himself in a mess, he decided to act like he'd gone insane. Isn't that interesting? Little point of information here. Ancient people were often confused about mental illness. They were superstitious. And they wouldn't kill or harm those who were mentally ill because they wondered if the gods would speak through them. They were so unusual. But they really didn't want them around either. And Abimelech, that was his title. Abimelech means ancestor of kings. Achish was his formal name when he heard that David had shown up. David, who had, as the saying went, killed 10,000 Philistines. Achish, instead of attacking him, which I'm sure he wanted to do, said, get him out of here. Get rid of him. I got enough crazy people in my kingdom. Here's what we know about the original story in 1 Samuel 21. Through this, God protected David and he was driven away and he found another place of refuge in the caves of Adullam and God actually carefully guided his steps to safe places. And David, reflecting later on it all, writes last Sunday's text, Psalm 56, a song that was designed designed to be sung, and also Psalm 34, an acrostic psalm. Each verse is based on a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That's why there's 22 verses here. And here's what so blessed me. David is not perfect in his walk with God, neither am I. But God favors him and cares for him and protects him because David seeks the Lord. And I can trust God to do the same for me as I trust Him and place my faith in Him. And you can too. So let's dig into the text this morning and it falls quite naturally into uh, three points. In verses 1 through 3, David is blessing God. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Did you know that you can bless God? We often think about God blessing us. But you can bring joy to God's heart. The NIV uses the word extol here. I will extol the Lord at all times. Most translations use the word bless. To bless God is to tell Him how wonderful you know He is. And that brings joy to God. Gives God delight. Gives him joy in his heart. But David says, I'll do this at all times. Not just in the good times. All times. Always. When life is going well. When life is going hard. When I'm up. When I'm down. 
God is always good. Life may be hard, but God is always good. One of the commentators I enjoy said about this verse, He who praises God at all times will at all times have things to praise God for. David is running for his life, a fugitive, not a criminal. It was because King Saul knew that God had taken the kingdom away from him, King Saul, and given it to David, David who was soon going to be king. I tell you, running for your life has got to be a terrifying experience. To be tracked down by the armies of King Saul had to be frightening. But God is good. What brings you fear? Life right now for a lot of us is honestly scary. But God is good. Always good. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's a decision that David makes. I want to always continuously be found praising God. Don't you love it? Being around people who are always finding something for which to praise God. Always looking for what God is trying to accomplish. Even when life turns tough. What do you think God is doing through this time of social distancing? I'll tell you one thing. It makes my heart long to be with you again. And to shake your hand and uh, hug you close. And I'm going to appreciate worship together a whole lot more after we get through this social distancing. I want to come back to that thought later in the message. What's God have in mind? What's He trying to do through this frustrating experience of, that we have of pandemic and social distancing? He's got a plan. It's a good plan. My soul makes its boast in the Lord, verse 2. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. It sure helps me when I'm struggling and a sister or brother comes along and in my affliction and in my worry and in my trouble reminds me that I'm a child of God. That God's working in my life. When, I, when I'm struggling, when I'm afraid, when I'm afflicted, that's the thing I need most to hear. That I'm a child of God turns my focus away from my fears and brings me joy, rejoicing. And so he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us praise his name, exalt his name together. Verses 4 through 7 are about getting through times of hardship, going through troubles, and look at how best to get through those troubles. Comes right out of David's personal testimony. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Thanks, Brent, for reminding us last Sunday that fear is a fact of our existence. Doesn't help us to deny it. In fact, denying it can cause us to do things and say things that kind of take us backwards spiritually and may even pull us into sin. But acknowledging, I'm afraid. David's strategy, and it's a good one, is to take his fear 
directly to God. I sought the Lord. Have you ever just said, God, I'm so afraid. But what I need more than I need a solution is to be close to you because I know you'll comfort me, you'll help me. He delivered me, David says, from all the things I was afraid of. Oh, that's a wonderful place to be when dangers abound. Close to God. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The RSV takes this as an admonition, kind of like David's recommendation. So look to Him and be radiant so your faces will never be ashamed. Oh, and doesn't this remind us of Jesus' word, Jesus' heart, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weak and weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden is what? Light. Look to him. He'll make the load light, and your face will be bright, radiant, not ashamed. You know, I used to have the idea that I had to be adequate for whatever life threw at me. And I was ashamed, honestly, in times when I was needy and needed help or needed much of anything. But here's what I've learned as I've grown older. As I've needed again and again and again to say, God, rescue me. God, take away my fear. I've learned that God never intended us to do life without Him. Ashamed I need God's help? No. Learning to lean on Him is what life is about. That's why He allows life to throw such crazy stuff at us. God is saying, you need me. Don't be ashamed of that. This poor man called, David writes, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. You know, whenever you see in the Old Testament that term, the angel of the Lord, you need to kind of do a double take, because often the one described in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And we know as Jesus followers, we have the promise of Jesus that he himself is with us in my trouble, in my worry. He hasn't gone away. John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Colossians 1, this is the glorious mystery, Christ in you. The hope of glory. He's with me. He's inside of me. And He saves me. Not just from my sins, but also troubles and fears. He delivers us, frees us from trouble. Frees us from anxiety and fear. We'll see this next Sunday. and Because this anticipates verse 19 below. If you look at it in your Bible, one of my favorite spiritual heroes, a a godly layman in my church in Owatonna used to quote this verse to me very often. I tell you, he only had a ninth grade education, but Leo Coyer really knew how to walk with God. And this was a favorite verse for him. I actually love the English Standard Version. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Isn't that 
an amazing promise. Many are the troubles of those who belong to the Lord, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And now we're going to focus on God's great goodness in these last verses. As he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What an invitation. David highly recommends that you taste. What will you discover? That God is good. My kids and my wife will tell you that uh, I'm a foodie. One of the great adventures of my life is tasting something new, something that I haven't tried before. And here's the invitation of David. There is so much of God's goodness that you haven't tasted yet. Taste and see. Blessing comes to those who give themselves opportunity to taste and see. Fear the Lord, you His saints. Respect and honor Him. For those who fear Him lack nothing. Even young lions grow weary, weak, and hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If I, if you, if we seek the Lord, the promise for us, for you, is you'll never lack any good thing. You say, well, how come I don't have this then? And how come I don't have that now? Well, evidently, it's not a good thing for you at this time. Why are we going through this pandemic? This social distancing? This having to be way too careful? Because somehow in it, God is doing a good thing. God is using this struggle to produce a good thing. Actually, a bunch of good things. So I asked our staff this week, in what ways could God be using this social distancing to deepen our walk with Him and to move His kingdom forward? Is it a pain? Sure it is. It won't last forever, but I guarantee knowing God like I know God, He's doing good things. And here are some of the answers the Lakewood staff suggested about why God is allowing this pandemic and social distancing thing for now. Carrie Herath said, Dave and I are thrilled with this reset, slow down, or stop everything. I've seen more families playing in their yard and sitting on their decks than ever before. Families are reconnecting because they aren't running their kids to all sorts of things. Wouldn't it be the greatest thing ever for God to use the family to move His kingdom forward? He chose us to be together as a family. Good thought. Reed Arns said, this is realigning my priorities. The slower pace is giving me time to read the Scriptures without distraction. God could also be using this time to distress us. That can bring us to humility, to crush pride, to bring us 
into alignment with God's will. I have no doubt that God is in control and at any time he could do many mighty things to show his glory so that the world will know that our God is God. Pastor Dave said, I think about it from a family perspective. Parents have been racing from sport to sport, activity to activity. And this has allowed family to be together and to learn how to do family again. This helps people gain perspective on what's important. I feel people are really missing being together, missing hugs, etc. I hope this leads to a new appreciation for being the church and gathering and worshiping together with a renewed passion. It's sure doing that for me. Kathy Cluthy says, I think this gives us all a small glimpse of what people in other third world countries experience daily, whether just from poverty or war or political strife, uncertainty about what will be available when they need it, fear for their safety, inability to plan for what life will be like a week from now, let alone a month from now having circumstances change at the drop of a hat, it has forced us to live in the moment and to depend on and trust in God for provision in a way we probably haven't had to do before. Listen to me. This may be hard, but God has not abandoned us. He's not left us. He's doing a lot of wonderful things that we need to have happen. Trust Him. Take your fears and lay them down at His feet. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Even in times like these. A righteous man may have many troubles, but in the right time, after God has used them to bless us, then He will deliver us from our troubles. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We draw close to you. We need you. We need today to experience your love and favor in a new way. And now as we come to communion, It reminds us that what you did on the cross gets applied to our lives today. It reminds us that you are still with us, that your presence is real and good and glorious. Be present with us now in the bread and the wine. Show your presence, manifest yourself to us as we take these symbols into our mouths we remember how David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Go with God. Amen.